Amen. Where'd my lovely wife go? Lovely wife, come here up here, sweetheart. You got her covered? I'm going to, I know she wants to thank everybody too. Come here, sweetie. Everybody welcome my lovely wife. She shed a few tears this week as well. Is there anything you want to say, babe? Um, I want to thank everybody that has stood in faith and has prayed for our family and for mom and dad as well, because it affects the whole family. It's just not Joel. And um, just thank you. And to God be the glory, because it's all about him, not about us. Amen. 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 Well, what we're going to do is, I'm going to, before Joel comes up, we're going to just show you the Channel 13 spot that was on Friday night, because I know many people did not get to see it, and I think it's just a real good snapshot. But before we do that, I, I want to just share how that took place, and how God provided a platform to speak about what God had done in Joel. And so, Thursday, when Joel received his legs, <laughs> amen. Um, that morning uh, at the State House in downtown Indianapolis, uh, there was a luncheon that Tom and I were going to go to. Tom actually went. But Kurt Farrell, who is in this community, went up to one of the guys at the, uh, the luncheon and was sharing what uh, God had done in Joel. And he was sharing how he was miraculously healed. And Channel 13 was there and overheard the conversation. He was part of that conversation. And um, Kevin with Channel 13 says, tell me about that story about Joel. And so they shared the story, and he said, I want to I I share that publicly uh, on Channel 13. And so I just want to give the Lord praise. You know, it's not like we went out trying to tell Joel's story, and we're not about self-promoting, but God it really does want to promote himself. Can I have an amen? And so we want to promote the glory of God. Amen. And so that's how that all came about. And so he called me, and I just uh, I said, yeah, I'm willing to let you share that story, but as long as you keep the faith dimension in the story. Because I've seen so many stories get twisted around, I thought they did a good job. So what we're going to do is we're just going to show that video real quick, and then uh, we're going to just release Joel to share. And we're going to let you see him walk as well. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and roll it, guys. to give the Lord praise. You know, it's not like we went out trying. <laughs> want to promote himself. Can I have an amen? In Newcastle, and so we want to promote the glory of the God. Beautiful. Amen. One of the most so that, <laughs> having technical difficulties. <laughs> Bear with us here. History is an in Newcastle, it's known simply as the miracle. One of the most prolific basketball players in the city's history is in a wheelchair one day, paralyzed from the waist down, and the next, he's walking. Kevin Rader explains how this young man's fortune changed literally overnight. If life is measured in steps, Joel Haler took a big step Friday. In fact, he took a lot of them. It is good to be walking. He's been coming to the Y in Newcastle every day for the last four months, but this is the first time in all that time that he was able to walk in. Don't cry. Keep walking. What? I can't help it. It didn't take long for people to notice. For him to one night be in a wheelchair and then to wake up and walk, um, 
he's it's truly a miracle. That's just how quickly it happened. He woke up in a dorm room at Hope College last October. I had lost everything, paralyzed from the waist down. And I was like, Dad, I, I have no movement, I have no feeling, nothing. You've got to come get me. Four hospitals later, the only way he could walk was through robotic walking therapy. Uh, this past Tuesday, you know, I was, you know, doing the robotic walking therapy and I lasted 10 minutes. He decided that was it. There were no answers and for the first time he began to accept the inevitable. So he canceled his appointment for Thursday. But as it turns out, he didn't need it. Wednesday night, he woke up to a terrible pain. It was becoming unbearable almost as it, you know, continued to move up my legs. It became more and more painful. And it took about an hour and a half to, for it to, like, reach my hips. An hour and a half later, excruciating agony left him with an unusual feeling. Uh, I woke up my toes, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I walked into my parents' room, and I was like, Mom and Dad, look. And then he said something, and then I was like, Joel, Joel, you're walking, you're walking. And we just jumped out of bed and embraced and cried and hugged and... Just burst into tears, you know, because... It's hard seeing your son not be able to walk, and so when he was standing there walking, and, and we just embraced him. It was Thursday, January 23rd. That made perfect sense to Joel. He had dreamed of a calendar that only said J23, but just didn't know what to make of it until... Literally that next Sunday, there was a little boy at church, four years old. He came up to me and he says, Joel, you're going to walk on a Thursday. So the 20-year-old college student who could only walk with the aid of a robot on Tuesday was walking on a treadmill on his own Thursday. This is all God, you know, and I'm just being used. Or being tested. He says you can't have a testimony without a test. But the rainbow that very morning could very well mean he passed with flying colors. Eric Haler is a pastor of New Covenant Worship Center in Newcastle. I asked him who would be preaching this Sunday. He says Joel will be. Well, Joel has a story to tell. He sure does. What, what, you, what caused him to be paralyzed in the first He was place? working uh, during a PE. He's a PE major there. It was working, felt a pop in his back, but he didn't really think anything of it at the time. And it took weeks for that to happen. And all of a sudden he woke up and he really gave thanks for his roommates in that room because he said they took care of him for a couple of days until finally it got so bad he had to call his father and say, you know, I can't move. Well, it's extraordinary. I mean, all, all those elements coming together, it's, it's really. It really is, John. And is he in a lot of pain now, or how does he feel? You know, the funny thing is, he said he feels normal today. A little weak, but normal. He was driving today. We are in the car driving with him, and he said he just couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, he had to have a suit to walk on Tuesday, and yeah. now he's driving and walking. Well, and he even shot a few baskets. He's a prolific three-point shooter. People in Newcastle know that. Yeah. Driving with a foot pedal. Here's, here's to yeah. feeling normal, you know? Yeah. Thank amen. God for normal. All right. Thank, Thank you. you for amen. Give the Lord praise. <laughs> Uh, could you stand with me as we uh, let Joel come up? And let's just give the Lord praise. Amen. Come on up, Joel. Okay. First, let me uh, start out in saying we serve 
an awesome God. What I'm wanting to share with you today is how good he is, because I don't think all of us understand how good of a God we really serve. But first, I want to thank everybody in here for continuing to pray for me, standing in faith that I will get my legs back. I also wanted to thank the community because the community support in Newcastle is absolutely amazing. I had it, you know, we have Caleb, we had Blade, we had um, Jackson, and just the community that just wraps us in their arms is nothing short of a blessing. But most importantly, I want to thank God because this is all him. I'm the vessel, he used me, and this is all for the glory of God, okay? So I'm sure you all know October 28th changed my life. Okay, I'm going to recap a little bit because there are some people in here that may not know the whole story. Um, like you, you heard right here, I was doing um, a workout class. Um, we were actually doing the ins like a, an insanity workout. And um, I went up to do a burpee. Does anybody know what a burpee is? Don't do it. That's all I can say. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> um, no, I heard a loud pop in my back and uh, lost a lot of strength in my legs, and I was just really confused. I'm like, what is going on? So, you know, I, I mean, I had help back to my dorm room, and literally, it continued to get worse and worse and worse, and then finally, you know, I was like, hey, I got to go to the ER, you know, and, you know, they just, you know what they do, they dope you up and then send you back, and uh, by the end of the next day, I was paralyzed from the waist down, absolutely nothing. Um, really don't remember much. All I remember is my, like, like they said, my buddies are taking care of me. <laughs> and again, if they're watching on this, I cannot continue. I just can't thank you enough. So I was taken to St. Vincent's in Carmel. Uh, we had heard uh, a great spine surgeon there that uh, my mom, as she was home, she was making the connections and trying to get me to the best place possible. And so we went there and uh, we took an MRI. I got admitted there. They didn't do much, you know, so they uh, transferred me to the St. Vincent's downtown Indianapolis. Uh, and there, couldn't find anything. They ran test after test, uh, procedure after procedure. And um, I was starting to, you know, I was like, man, I, you know, we're taking the right steps here. You know, I'm going to get better. You know, I'm at the best place right now. And then a couple days literally after that, they said, hey, we don't know what's going on. We're going to transfer you to IU Methodist. And I was like, Okay. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, this is, this is going to be the place. And they continued to run more and more tests. They basically started the whole process over again. And I'm just like, you got to be freaking kidding me. You know, because you know, the spinal taps, I think that was the biggest thing for me. That both, I had two spinal taps, lumbar punctures, if nobody knows what that is. It's where they drain the spinal fluid out of your spine. And what happens with some people is the, it doesn't clot, and so your spinal fluid leaks. And that's what was happening to me, which caused crazy headaches. Like they say, like, it's ten times worse than a migraine. And so I was literally laying in bed. I couldn't move. If I moved or if I sat up, I would literally throw up. Excuse me. <laughs> but, I mean, I was just so sick. I was so down. And I'm, I'm telling you, that is when the enemy first got his foot in the doorway. I began questioning things. Why did God do this? Why? Why is this happening to me? I have been living my life, well, what I thought, living my life, for, the, for God. Why me? As I quickly realized, I feel like we all do this. This is part of our human nature. It's our sin inside of us that does this. Okay? But this is where I want to confront that lie. 
and explain that this is not God. God did not put me in the situation I was. He did not paralyze me from the waist down. Okay? This happened because the enemy hates me. I have a target on my back. All of us Christians do. Satan wants to destroy us because he does not want us spreading the word of God. Okay? The enemy wants to destroy us. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I know that I have the presence of Jesus dwelling inside of me. I have God inside of my heart that gives me strength. You know, as I was going through this, I was realizing that there were the doors that were opened and God was wanting me to close these doors. And what the enemy was using to destroy me, God used for good. Okay? Now, who feels like they're going through a trial or going through the valley of the shadow of death? Okay, because I know exactly what you're going through. It's miserable. I understand. I hated it. But now that, I, now that I look back on it, I loved it. And that is so hard for me to say because I was so miserable. I was so miserable. God wants to show you how good he is. God loves you so deeply. And that is something I want to show you today. Through my story. I want you guys to experience God working through me, his presence here today. It's, it's, I don't know if you guys feel it. I mean, I'm just like yeah. chilling, <laughs> you know? So going back to the hospital, I was continually asking the question, why doesn't God heal me now? Right now, what have I done to deserve this? What do I need to do to receive healing, God? Just tell me, I'll do it, let's get this over with, you know? The, and I'm telling you, I pondered on this question so much, day in and day out. And that's the problem. I had all the time to think in the world. Because, okay, thank you to my professors who worked with me as this happened. You know, I was able to finish from home, which I... It, I'm really glad that that happened, you know, because that kind of like took my mind from this and, you know, kind of applied it to school. But as soon as that was done, whew, oh, all the thoughts, negative thoughts. And I'm telling you, your mind is a crazy thing. It is absolutely nuts. Okay? The things that my mind took me to, I don't even want to begin to describe because I was going through the lowest of the low, because I let my mind run wild. Now, I understand that God wanted me to think. I know that's like what he was wanting. He wanted me to think about these things, but he did not want me to go that low, that sin that I was thinking about, okay? I was letting my mind run wild. I was not letting God take control. Ugh, it makes me sick just thinking about it. Ugh. I knew that God wanted to get something from me. He wanted me to grow in my walk with him. He wanted me to mature spiritually. And of course, there was those things that I want, he wanted me to get rid of, but I was, you know, no, no. You know? The things that were needing to be taken out of my life. Pornography. That's a huge huge 
disaster in our culture. It's destroying. God wanted to bring deliverance and close that door from my past. As I was getting more and more frustrated, I wanted to pleasure myself. I wanted to look at pornography because I had nothing else. Now, thank, I appreciate my dad because he walked me through that I was, as I was you know, struggling with that a little bit when I was younger. But that was creeping up at my doorstep. I, Joel, come on, just take a peek. It's not going to hurt you. God forgives. See, that's what got me. Well, God will forgive me. You know? The thing, oh, whoops, wrong one. <laughs> I wanted that comfort. I hadn't found God's comfort, and so I turned, wanted, I, I wanted to turn to pornography. The things that I used to turn to when I was younger was creeping at my doorstep, and God wanted to close that door once and for all. People pleasing. Who are people pleasers in here? Can I get a show of hands? Because I am one of the biggest people pleasers, and it's bad. But I'm a people person. I, I, I love being around people. I love just joking around, you know, making people laugh. All of you know that. This is part of my personality, and God has honestly blessed me with it. He makes it easy for me to communicate. He makes it easy for me to reach out to others. But I let it hinder me. Not God, me. I let it hinder me. My, my people-pleasing brought compromise. I put myself in situations that exposed me and opened up demonic doors, and that made me an even bigger target for the enemy. You know, my little, you know, I was at a little target, man. I think I'm about that big now. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier with pornography. Comfort. I wanted comfort. I was so down. I was like, what, what can I do? What can I say? You know, what can I do to replace this pain that I was going through? The agony, day in and day out. I was seeking comfort from worldly things. All that stuff that is apart from the comfort of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if you could put up Matthew 11.30. I don't know if my dad gave you that paper. I hope he did. Okay. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus tells us all who are weary and burdened to come to him for rest. Jesus carried that burden so we didn't have to. Okay? Now, if you could turn to Psalm 23, 1 through 4. This is, this is really good. This is a psalm from David. The Lord is my... I know this is really cliche. This is, I'm sure everybody has heard this scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here, even though, even though I, Joel Haler, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Now, as I was going through this, this was really hard for me to swallow because I'm like, God, why don't you just show up already? You know, give me this peace. Give me this comfort. There is a comfort in the Lord that material things, people, relationships cannot fix. I was using my friends. I was using my friends as my crutch. Okay, and my girlfriend. God kicked out everything out underneath me. My friends were going back to school. Even my buddies from high school went back to school. You know, as I was here, I was like really enjoying it, you know, because everybody was back from school. I was being able to be with everybody, you know, working around my like hospital stuff and like appointments. But God kicked out everything. And I'm just like, oh. You've got to be stinking kidding me. How could this get any worse? How could this get any worse? And I'm telling you, everything could be worse. You know, here I was paralyzed from the waist down, but what? I could have been paralyzed from the neck down. When we were at the Ronald McDonald House, um, I don't know if all of you know, I, I was in Chicago, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks. And um, there's a best of the best hospital in Chicago. It's called RIC, and um, thankfully to Miss Connie, um, they had that relationship from a doctor down there. He came down here over Thanksgiving, and he came and examined me. And so, you know, he said, this is something that you need to do, you know, you need to be completely immersed in. And so, you know, we went up there, and we stayed at the Ronald McDonald House while we were there, and the things that I saw, the children that were suffering killed me. Oh, sick. <laughs> just absolutely broke my heart. And I'm just like, wow. Here I am complaining about being paralyzed from the waist down. These kids are suffering from leukemia. These kids have a brain tumor at the age of four. Me and my dad, I, I, I don't even know if I had told you this. I was like, you know, I was really thinking about this. I was like, we are here knowing that I'm going to live. These kids don't even know if they're going to make it to tomorrow. These parents don't even know if their children are going to make it to tomorrow. And that killed me inside because I was complaining so much. Now, I know a lot of you probably don't know that because, like I said, I put up this front. <laughs> okay. So after I got rid of all this junk in my life, I knew that God was wanting to instill something in me. He was wanting to pour into me. Being in touch with my heart. Being in touch with my emotions. The things that I just explained to me, to you guys, to me, to you guys, helped me avoid the hurt and pain that I was not taking to the Lord. I was taking it to these worldly possessions. internalizing and not showing emotion. <laughs> Killed me. I, that's what I do. And I feel like all males do this. To some degree. I know that almost all men in some way or another have a tendency to do this. 
And it is our society that has put this on males. This tough guy act that we can't show emotion because it's a sign of weakness. That's not the case. Can we look up uh, Luke 29, or 22, 39-44? Alright, so Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and uh, his disciples followed him. Okay, On reaching that the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. <laughs> Look at Jesus. Look at him. The emotion that he showed. He was sweating drops of blood. The emotion that he showed. Is just, wow, here I am internalizing things, not showing my emotion, not opening up to people because you know what? One, it's people-pleasing. <laughs> and two, I don't want to be weak. I want people to think I have it all figured out. At the very beginning, my faith was pretty high. I knew I was going to get my legs back. I just knew it. But as this progressed and continued, and I didn't get my legs back, it was starting to get hard. And I'm like, seriously, my faith is being tested. Why? For me, I was putting up the smile. Like I said earlier, this front. So I didn't have to face what was really going on in my heart. The feelings of rejection, doubt, unbelief, brokenness, and abandonment were all settling in my heart. These are all the lies that the devil uses. And every one of us, I don't want to say that, a lot of us believe as we go through these trials, I believed every single one. And I am ashamed that I didn't put my trust in the Lord. That I believed these lies that the devil continually told me day in and day out. <sighs> Sickens me. Because I know so many people fight this battle. They get these emotions and they're like, I don't want to show my emotions. I want, to, I want to be that tough guy. And I wanted to be that tough guy because I am a pastor's son. I wanted to look like I had it all figured out. I wanted to be that inspiration. And I continually started feeling, man, I feel like I'm a false inspiration. You know, I was telling my, you know, talking to my dad, Tom, Mike, Brian, and I was like, man, I feel like I'm a false inspiration. I have been happy. I come to church, I put the smile on my face. Yeah. God's good. <laughs> I'm going to get my legs back. No big deal. But I lied. I, now, I, I knew. I still knew. I still had faith. I knew God was going to do it. But I felt like, you know, if you had like a, a crystal, you know, it was just being chopped away. 
my faith was dwindling. Being chopped away at these lies that the devil continued to tell me, and I continued to believe. I felt rejected. I began feeling what I thought at the beginning was low. I went even lower. Low as low could get. Doubt. Doubt really set in big time. I was like, how can God use me who is this miserable? He used my situation to bring glory to him. I'm like, that's impossible. There's, there's no way. Are you kidding me? Look how low I am. Look how miserable. God, if you want to use this for me, why don't you make me feel better? <laughs> you know, I began testing him, and it's oh, stupid. Gosh. But God, the wonderful God that he is, came to me. And said, Joel, I'm setting the stage. And I'm like, oh, are you? <laughs> are you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, why don't you show me the stage? I mean, <laughs> you know? Gosh. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Come on, let's be real here, you know? <laughs> God is good, I'm telling you. Identity. I honestly felt like I was going through a midlife crisis at the age of 20. <laughs> I'm serious. I had pride in my accomplishments. My statuses that I put on myself and even my friends, my family, the church has put on me. The popularity, my personality, was everything that I had made myself out to be. And as soon as these were stripped away from me, I began asking myself, who am I? Who is this Joel Haler who has found his identity in his friends he put on himself? I'm just like, wow, I'm really lost. <laughs> I deceived myself into believing that these things weren't as important to me as I had believed them to be. And that really, <laughs> that really killed me, honestly. As I was going through this, I realized, wow, my identity is wrapped up, again, in worldly things. Worldly, worldly, worldly. Everything worldly, not God. Which kills me because I want everything to be God, 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 God. Now I do. <laughs> as I went through that. Who am I? Who are you? Ask yourself. Who are you? Who am I? Am I really living my life for God? Well, God said no. Look at me. Joel, stop having a pity party for yourself. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's disgusting. <laughs> Look at me. Look at what I have created. This stuff is so small compared to what I have created. The universe. Look at the universe. 
he told me, he, he remembers. Look what I, the Lord your God, has created. Look at it. Now, this, this first semester of my sophomore year at Hope College, I took an astronomy class. And even before that, what really targeted it was listening to Louis Giglio. Who has heard of, heard of Louis Giglio? I absolutely love that man. I actually took um, a bunch of my friends and I, we went to a Chris Tomlin, Louis Giglio com- cons- or conference, whatever you want to call it, um, actually right before this had happened. And it was so good. <laughs> and I really need, actually, now that I look back on it, I needed that as I was going through this because whew, it's powerful. I, wanna, I, I do want to give an example because the universe is so amazing. So let's say you're looking at a star a million, mi- uh, million uh, light years away. Now, don't ask me to do the calculations because I can't remember how many miles are in a light year, but it's a lot. <laughs> so if you're looking at that star and it's a million light years away, you are looking at that star a million years ago. I don't know about you guys, but that just, it takes light a million years to travel to the earth because the universe is so vast, so amazing. (laughs) I just can't get over it. And I'm telling you, I'm still, I have had this for a long time. I'm going to be sharing on the universe I know Louis Giglio did something similar, but there's even more than that. He only covered a tenth of, not even a tenth, like .01 tenth of the universe. (laughs) God said no. The universe, look what I have created. Look how big this is. Look how small this situation is. I'm like, well, my situation's pretty freaking big. You know, I, I mean, this feels huge to me. You know? But then again, he said, Ronald McDonald House. I'm like, okay, yes. Okay, okay. Hmm. All right, let's take a peek at Genesis 131. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This shows the goodness of God. He looks over everything and said that it was good. Okay? But this, this is what I... To know that I am a part of that creation, ooh, just gives me the cold chills. He looked over everything and said, it is good. Knowing that I am part of that, it is good. Just... Mm. This shows that our identity is in God because we are the work of His hands. How good is our God? You having fun, buddy? Good. Now let's look at John 3.30. He must become greater and I must become less. I wanted to throw up when I read that. I was like, you kidding me? Joel Haler, the basketball player, the great outgoing guy, that lovable Joel had to go away. 
Because that lovable guy, that people-pleasing guy, the personality that God gave me, I corrupted it. Me, Joel Haler, twisted what God had blessed me with and destroyed his creation. Destroyed myself, destroyed what God instilled in me. What man had to say about Joel had to be stripped away to hear what God had to say about Joel. <laughs> and that killed me because I'm such a people person. I found comfort in the compliments that people gave me. And that just ripped out my heart. God wanted to remove the restriction that man, myself, has put on me. To broaden my horizon and to make me realize I'm called to the nations. And I'm like, God... Here I am in little Newcastle, Indiana, doing nothing. You know? Here I am at Hope College. I'm a little college student. What am I going to do? Who's going to listen to a college student? You know? But this, my situation. Paralyzed from the waist down and then bam, walking. Like no big deal. And the thing is, the doctors even told me, hey, Joel, you know what? Even if you do get feeling, if you do get sensation or movement, you're going to have to learn how to walk again. And that, and that was settling inside of me. Those, what the doctors had told me, I was like, as this continued to get worse and, you know, it progressed, I was like, man, maybe they're right. Maybe I am going to have to learn how to walk again, which killed me, absolutely just crushed me because I love working out. I absolutely love working. I like, you know, making my body look good. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I will be, and that's the thing, like, that had to be stripped away. Just, God said, wham, get out of here. Even though I, you know, like they said, I was going to the Y every day and working out, you know. I told myself that, hey, you know what, this is going to keep me in shape, you know. But I was like, I still want to look good. Even though I'm in a wheelchair, you know, I still want to look good, you know. And God says, why don't you start doing it for the right reasons? And I'm like, all right, well, why don't you tell me? <laughs> Even though I already knew what it was, you know. I'm like, well, why don't you just, you know, tell me again so I make sure I'm hearing it right because... It didn't sound so clear to me, you know? <laughs> Gosh. And I'm telling you, I still can't believe I'm sharing this because this, this is what I went through that nobody saw. None of you. If, wait, did anybody see this, how miserable I was? I don't think so. Good, because I was miserable. But it's not good because I want you guys to, to realize the things that I went through. 
Honduras. That's where I feel I'm called to. As if this is, as this has gone, gone continually, you know, getting worse, whatever you want to call it, as it has progressed, I've realized that, you know, Honduras is one of the nations that I'm called to. And um, I've been there twice on missions trips with our church, and even God used that, you know, as I was asking myself, how can this be much worse? How? Well, why don't you look at the Honduran people? I'm like, well, they're happy. They're always happy, you know, because that's what I realized. I was like, well, they're happy. And they, you know, and I did, re- and I, they were happy. They were happy with what they had because, you know, they didn't really know anything else. And they were happy. And I'm just like, okay, look at them. They're happy, outgoing people that, you know, but the lack of food, the lack of nutrition, the lack of clean water. None of us had to have had, ever had to experience that. The kids there really touched my heart. I was, I don't want to say I was the translator, but I was a little bit, you know, I knew a lot, you know, I could carry a conversation. But God made me realize that that is one of the nations that I'm called to. And I'm like, I like that, you know, that's great. You know, Honduras, you know, I've been there, I know that. But he's like, no, there's, there's other places that you're going to go that are going to be extremely worse than Honduras. You're going to endure a lot of things. And I'm like, well, shoot, haven't you made me endure all, enough already, you know? <laughs> I'm just like, what, what more do you want me to do? All right, let's take a peek at Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith. Good. Sorry, let me restart that. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Wow. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness to love. Strengthen your faith. Through my experiences, God intervened and showed me what true faith really was and what it really looked like. His nearness and His presence gave me the power and the clarity to overcome the immature faith that I had. I thought I was a faithful man. I really did. Because, gosh, well, I'm a pastor's kid. <laughs> I didn't think that God was good enough. You're good, God. You're really good. But I don't think you know me as well as I know myself. I know what I need to do to make myself more comfortable, to help me through this journey, to get this over with. So let me do my thing. God's like, what? You You kidding me? Strengthen your faith. 
And I'm telling you, the nearness and the presence of God is so powerful. I wish everyone could experience what I have experienced. But this is part of our human nature. We want control. And God says, no, 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 no. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. You know. Let me take control. Let me be in the driver's seat. Let me show you what I can do with your situation. Which, again, kind of went back to, how can you ever use this? My situation to glorify you. And he said, well, what? Let me have control of your life. Quit deceiving yourself. I didn't have control over this. I didn't have control over getting my legs back. I had no control. And I wanted it so bad. As I looked on this and all that, and I wanted to take it into my own hands. And I quickly realized that one of the verses that I had stood on as a child began to rise back up in me and gave me a little wake-up call. I don't know if all of you know this, but I, I was in like sixth through ninth grade. I had like continual leg injuries. Stress fractures, broken legs, you know. There was like five of them. It was just stupid. And if you could pull up Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord <laughs> with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, for it will, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And I'm like, all right, God, and um, <laughs> here you are bringing this, you know, back up, and I'm just like, this is the last thing I want to hear, you know? I'm like, I am so low. I don't even think I could ever begin to get myself out of the hole that I had dug for myself, Okay? And he said, acknowledge me. Fear the Lord. Fear me, the God who created you. Shun evil, and it will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. <laughs> and I'm like, at first I was like, well, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm living a pretty good life, you know? But then, I, you know, as I've described, I have all this in my body, in my spirit, in my heart. I was like, God, seriously, just finish it off. I was like, you have taken me to the lowest of low. And I just was like, I give up. I give it all to you, God. 
This is all, you know what? I'm done trying to take control and trying to, you know, do whatever to pleasure myself. To help me get out of this journey, whatever it was. I finally let go. I got rid of all of the junk in my life. I let God pour into me what he wanted to pour into me. Now, it took me a while. Yeah. But I got there. I did. I really did. And it brought clarity. And, of course, this was like the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, starting to make sense. This is really what it's supposed to feel like. There were a lot of people in the church in the community that started having dreams and visions of me walking again. And thank you for sharing those, by the way. Um, but even then, I was just like, all right, God, you know, make sure, I, I was just like, do not let me get caught doubting again. I've, hey, look, I've made this step, God. I'm giving all to you. Just don't, just help me not to take a step back and doubt. Of course, <laughs> I was like, come on, God. come on, God, hit me with it now. Come on, give it to me. I want it so bad. Then he told me, like, not yet. I'm like, oh, why? Because he's, oh, gosh, I was just like, Lord, you know, you're giving these people these dreams and visions, and I'm like, you know, why can't you give it to me now? He's like, I want to show you. I'm like, show me what? And of course, you know, I was continuing. I was like, show me what, God? Show me. What are you wanting to show me? Of course, he didn't answer. And um, then finally, after praying and praying and praying for God to show me something, anything, he gave me a vision. My first vision. And boy, did it feel good. Before uh, my dad became a pastor, uh, my uncle, who has passed away, had a church that we went to when we were younger. And there was an old man there. His name was Tillman. Oh, good old Tillman. Gosh. He, he was an older gentleman that always had these different types of canes. And I thought that was the coolest kid. The coolest kid. I thought that was the coolest thing as a child. You know, he brought in different canes every day. And, you know, I'd go up to him and try to play with him. And one of the, one of the times he... Uh, he took one of his old canes, chopped it in half, and gave it to me. I'm like, yeah, I was feeling on top of the world <laughs> when I was uh, younger, and he gave me that cane. And I was like, oh, yeah. But anyways, so I had this vision. Tillman, who has been gone for a long time, he came up to me, and he gave me a cane. And it, I wasn't a child then. I was like this, 20-year-old Joel. He gave me a cane, and I'm just like, Okay. But, of course, you know, I was like, what does this mean? It still doesn't mean anything. You know, I mean, it was great to see something, but I was like, what the heck does this mean? You know? But, as time went on, God told me to take measurements for my cane, for, for a cane. I was like, Okay. So I was obedient, and, you know, I was even with my dad, and I was like, you know, God, just 
God said he wanted me to order a cane, you know? And uh, I can start looking uh, at canes online, and <laughs> I have to say I found some pretty cool ones. <laughs> and uh, I actually have it with me right now because I still have to kind of walk with it in, my, in the snow. It's still pretty hard to walk for some reason. I don't know why. So I'll have to, you know, bring that up here. <laughs> and so I started cane shopping. I took my measurements, and I was obedient. And I did. I was just like, okay, whatever. Whatever. So later that week, I was like, come on. Give me something that I can understand. Give me something that will bring me even more clarity. Please, just do it. And he did. I was asleep. It was two weeks before the miracle had happened. And um, I was, so you know how at schools they have the calendars um, up on the wall and you rip them off each day. You guys know what I'm talking about? And, um, and then you know how at the basketball games, you know, the Trojans, they run out of the paper before uh, each game in the tunnel. Okay. And I saw myself doing that. I was running out of that paper but instead of like, you know, the drawings that they draw on there and the basketball stuff that they put on it, mine said J23. Okay? And I was like, what does it mean? And I started, me and my dad, he really stood in agreement with me with this. And, you know, we were trying to um, look into the Bible and started looking at um, the uh, books of the Bible that began with a J. And started reading uh, the 23rd chapter of each one. I was getting nothing. My dad was getting nothing. And I was like, oh, jeez. I was like, come on. I finally knew that I was just like, you know what, God? I'm just going to let you give me visions and just, Lord, just help me figure it out. You know, and I'm trying to, you know, search on my own. Because that's, like I said, we want to do it on our own. We, and I just like, God, you do it. Just do it. Didn't mean anything to me. Until little Braxton Farmer. Were, is he in here? Angela, is Braxton in here? Yeah, if you don't mind getting him. I don't want to bring that little boy up here because, geez. He was such a faith booster. He came up to me and says, Joel, you're going to walk on a Thursday. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You know, sorry, Angela, for making you do that. I just really want to bring that little kid up here. <laughs> and I was like, wow. When's it going to be? Which Thursday? <laughs> you know? And so I started, I was trying to figure it out. And I'm like, at first I was just like, Okay, how can we correlate J23 and Thursday? It didn't make any sense to me. And I was just like, all right, God, do your work. Just, I'm done. You do it. Hey, there you are, big boy. Come here, dude. <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? 
Come here, will you stand up here with me? Now listen, this is Braxton Farmer. Do you, do you remember telling me I'm going to walk on a Thursday? Mm -hmm. You do? Okay, good. <laughs> the power in these kids. Yeah. Say what? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, buddy. But I want you to stay up here for a little bit. The heart that he, these kids have. Even God says, have the hearts of children. And you have inspired me. You're welcome, buddy. Come here. Oh, this child right here has grown or has made me grow in my walk with God. He is the one that helped me strengthen my faith. And thank you. You're welcome. No, oh, I love you, buddy. All right, you can go sit down now. Thanks, buddy. Children. That's what I'm working on. Trying to be like a child. Not, not, not like not mature, mature wise, but like my heart wise. I mean, yes, I still am extremely, I'm still extremely immature. I will say that. You know, we, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, at school, I mean, gosh, we do some of the most stupid stuff. The things that we come up with in our mind, you know. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's something else that really even got me even lower was when my friends went back uh, to school. And I wasn't there with them. Weekend trips, you know, because we tried to offer guys that didn't want to party and do that stuff other alternate things to do. So we went to Sky Zone in Grand Rapids, and here you are. You see these 20-year-old guys jumping with these little kids. We were so immature, but it's so fun. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, another thing is it's called Men's Night Out at Hope College. 500 men coming together, playing dodgeball, eating pizza, getting in the word. You know, I was, I was really involved in campus ministries at Hope, and that absolutely killed me to not be there and experience that with these guys. My brothers, the ones that have even helped me grow in my walk with God as I got to hope. Ah, it just killed me. But you know what? God was like, he was speaking through people. He didn't directly tell me this. Because, and he was like, well, why don't you do that here? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, never thought about it. <laughs> um, my grandfather, my, my dad. There was a couple other people that even told me, why don't you start that here? And it's funny that because this is happening, you know, young life is just now starting to get back into Newcastle, which praise the Lord, that's awesome. And I'm just like, well, you know what? This is, well, <laughs> is this what you're trying to tell me, God? You know, get, and I'm still praying about that. So if you have any words of wisdom, hit me with it, please. Um, <laughs> J23, Braxton, Braxton Farmer. And I was like, okay, God, do what you need to do. And so I started looking in uh, the months. I was like, maybe this has something to do with like a certain date. 
maybe this has to do with January, June, and July and see if the 23rd falls on a Thursday. And of course, me being doubtful, right back to square one, I said, it's not going to be January. Let's be real here. You know? So I look in June and July and I'm like, man, looking for the 23rd to see if it falls on a Thursday. Go to July, June, nothing. July, nothing. It falls on like a Wednesday. I was like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's a day short, you know? <laughs> and um, then the other one was like a Monday, and I'm like, okay. I was like, all right, well, let, let me just go back to January and check then. And lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, January 23rd falls on a Thursday. <laughs> I finally knew that God was going to perform his miracle. I knew that inside of my heart. How, I mean, I was like, how couldn't I? I mean, it's all coming together. I was like, ah. Not walking a little over three months. And I'm finally going to get my legs back. Wednesday, me, my family, or my mom and dad, we fasted, praying, trying to, for me, I was like, God, yes, please. <laughs> like I said, this was, was going to be a miracle. If I was able to walk again, and if I was going to get any movement, sensation, anything, I was going to have to learn how to walk again. I was going to have to retrain my muscles to walk again. And I had started to accept that. Woo. Uh -oh. Sorry, I'm getting a little rowdy. I think I broke it. Right, there you go. Right, slam dunk it. Yeah. Don't believe what, that, what he said about that basketball player. I, won't. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't either. My best friend's in here, and he plays at Butler. And they were probably talking about him. <laughs> did I break it? Oh, I did. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So I was like, okay. Freaking hungry. <laughs> Lord, just please, just tell me if it's going to happen or not. And he didn't. I, I, I should have known he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> you know? And so I was so worked up. I was so excited. I, I wasn't sleeping. I was like, if this is going to happen to me, I want to be awake when it happens. <laughs> you know? Jeez, that's loud. Sorry. Started to get tired. Tried going to sleep. Didn't work. Three o'clock came around. And I started feeling numbness and tingling in my toes. Which I was like, all right, yeah, here we go. You know? <laughs> and I was like, yes. This is what I'm talking about. This is the day I have been waiting for. This is the day that my church, my community, has been standing in faith with me for this day. I'm like, yes, God is good. <laughs> and then it started going up my leg, and as it got up my leg, it was so painful. 
oh my word. And as it continued to go up my leg, it was more and more unbearable. And I'm just like, God, <laughs> you, can, you can make it a little like less painful, <laughs> you know? But, I, but honestly, I have never been so satisfied with pain. Honestly, and I, I, I know I, a bunch of you liked it. I put on Facebook, it's never felt so good to stub my toe. That was, that's very true. But it was great to feel pain because I had not felt anything, anything for three months. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you a story and my mom's going to kill me. But she, listen to this, listen to this, and she is laughing already. This is what she did. She had to get up at 5 o'clock for work one morning, okay? And I was sleeping in their room because um, my bed was, um, had been used previously and I was waiting for them to change my sheets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was in a wheelchair, so I, you know, it's hard. <laughs> and so she thought it'd be a good idea. She took these, these, these toenail scissors that are really sharp, and she started stabbing my leg. And, of course, I'm dead asleep. I didn't feel anything, you know, because I can't feel anything. I didn't wake up. And she was like, maybe if I do it a little harder, he'll feel it. Okay? And so... I still didn't feel it. I had no idea. But that morning, I was transferring into the shower, and my right leg was covered in blood. <laughs> my, the back of my leg. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was freaking out. I'm like, are you serious? And I had, I had lunch with uh, my youth pastor um, that day, and I was like, Mike and Ashley, I was like, is there anything spiritually, like, that has to do with blood on the back of your leg? Because I'm like, I'm not moving it, so it's not like I could have, like, you know, cut myself with my toenail. <laughs> and, so, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. And they were actually concerned. I was just like, you know. And so I was like, what is going on, you know? And so I get home after lunch, and I'm, you know, I was transferring from my wheelchair to my electric scooter that I have in the house because I drag in snow with my other wheelchair. I'm talking with my mom. I'm like, Mom, something's wrong. I, I woke up this morning transferring into the shower. There was blood all over my leg. And she was like. <laughs> and I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> and that's when she told me. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's a mother thing, I'm sure, right? <laughs> it's a good story, I guess. As I was um, going and embarking on this journey, I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of spiritual books, a lot of spirit-filled books. The, I mean, in honesty, I did want to grow on. I was like, you know, I want to mature. This is what God wants. Looking back on it, though, I was doing the right thing by reading, trying to gain knowledge, but I honestly had the wrong intentions. I was reading to get this over with. I was searching for answers to help me pass this test. Thank you, Tom Preble, for making me realize that. <laughs> it's 
searching for the answers to help me pass this test. I was concerned with the destination. I was concerned with the end. But God, God was concerned with the journey. I'm like, no, no, that's not what I want. I catch myself saying that a lot as I've gone through this. I catch myself. That's not what I want. I want, I'm just like, whoa. It's not what I want. It's what God wants. Even, okay, and this, I was wanting to go to school so bad this weekend. So bad. But I knew there was a check in my spirit that I was not supposed to go. I needed to preach this to my congregation who stood in faith with me as I embarked on this journey. And my gosh, I am so glad I did. Because you guys are part of my healing. You guys are part of my miracle. Can we turn to Ephesians 1, 16 through 20? And I want to leave you with this. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Me, Joel Haler, has not stopped giving thanks for New Covenant Worship Center, has not stopped giving thanks for Newcastle, because you are part of my miracle. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that my, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in saints, in the saints, excuse me, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. We serve an amazing God who performs miracles. Look. I just, uh, I want to close this. Um, And if you guys would like to stand with me as I pray. Um. Because, gosh, our God is so stinking good. And I can't even begin to put into words. It's just something that you have to experience. Father, I want to give thanks to my congregation, to my community, for the prayers and for the standing right beside me, standing in faith. I pray that they can experience what I have experienced. I want them to know what I know. I want them to know how good, how gracious, how merciful you are, God. 
I pray that you guys experience what I have experienced. That you would feel what I have felt. Because I cannot even begin to describe. Because God is so amazing. I offer you this. This power that I speak of is here with us today. If you would like to know and believe in the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, he is here. Like I said, I can't begin to describe what I have felt. But you can experience that today. If any of you want to renew your relationship with Jesus or accept him as your savior, I encourage you, come to the altar. And if any of you need healing today, I'm going to be standing off here to your guys' right. And I would love to pray with you guys. And if there is any other needs, if you want to make that commitment, that recommitment, I encourage you to come up here. We're going to have some prayer. Uh, the prayer team over here on your left. But I want to encourage you guys to glorify in every, glorify Him in everything that you say and do. We love you, Father God. You are good. In your name I pray. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you guys for packing the house. I appreciate it. So. This is going to conclude our service, but really I know the Spirit of God is here dealing with hearts. And so if you need to leave, feel free to leave. But if you're here and you really feel the Spirit of God saying, I want you. I know how God works. God, he begins to convict our hearts, and we will not embarrass you. But we have the team up here uh, to pray with you. But as you leave, just take your conversation out in the foyer, and just let's be sensitive to the Spirit of God as he wants to deal with people's hearts. We're just going to turn the music up, and we're going to dismiss the service. But if you're here and, and need the Lord, let us, uh, let us minister to you. God bless you in Jesus' name. We love you.